Welcome to the podcast of Constangie Brooks Smith and Profit, in which we discuss labor and employment news and provide practical tips that you can use at your company or in your practice. I'm your host, Susan Basford Wilson, and I am delighted to be joined for today's podcast by my partner and friend, Sherry Silverman, out of Constangie's Tampa office. Sherry, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm very excited. Well, I'm excited because for today's episode, I would like to discuss how to conduct an investigation in the workplace and provide our clients and listeners a few tips on what to do and what not to do. So let's start out with a common scenario, Sherry. Tell me if you've ever had this one. Your client has an employee who, on average, complains about once a week. Sometimes it's his hours, sometimes it's the lighting in the parking garage, sometimes it's the air conditioning. Let's say this week our employee comes to Human Resources and says he is being sexually harassed by a coworker named Kathy. It's safe to in- ignore this employee's complaint, right? As much as you would like to, no, and that probably doesn't surprise you. Two of our ground rules for investigations are taking all complaints seriously and investigating all complaints appropriately. Okay, so if you need to investigate all complaints appropriately, what does that mean? Is every investigation the same? Of course not. Um, Every complaint is a little different. Of course, it depends on what the nature of the complaint is. Every investigation will be a little bit different. So generally speaking, you need to ask yourself various questions. Uh, First of all, what is the complaint about? Obviously, harassment complaint is going to be a little bit different than the color of the lighting in the break room. Um, What is the scope of the investigation? Not everything needs to be a big SWAT team that's coming in that's going to take everyone out of the workplace for weeks on end. Um, Some things are a little more minor. What are the policies that are relevant? That's something you need to think about at the very beginning. Who should be part of the investigative team? And I think we'll probably talk a little bit more about that in detail. But think about who should be interviewed, where they should be interviewed, You know, depending on the level of the accusation, the type of accusation, and who it's against. Um, how is the interview going to be conducted? Who's going to conduct the interview? what evidence should be gathered ahead of time so that you can go into the investigation prepared? And then when should the investigation be complete? Some of the things to think about, what are the company policies? A lot of employers have policies that actually have a discrete time frame when an investigation needs to be completed. Obviously, you want to do investigations as soon as practicable and in a reasonable amount of time. But sometimes there actually are parameters in your company policies that will dictate when an investigation needs to be complete. So those are some of the questions that will help shape what the investigation will look like. Excellent. I want to talk for a second about the investigation team, since one question I am periodically asked is who is the best person to conduct an internal investigation? And I tell my client that it depends. Obviously, anybody who is accused of bad actions should not be involved in the investigative team. But in our scenario between two coworkers, human resources would be a great uh, place 
for the investigation to occur, as could in-house counsel or an outside consultant. Obviously, the situation becomes more complicated if you have a small company or if the person accused of bad behavior is a supervisor or perhaps a C-suite executive. Because, of course, you wouldn't want the investigation to look like it wasn't impartial because the person conducting the investigation is at the mercy of the alleged bad actor and wants to continue their employment. Right. Would absolutely. You agree with that, a good Sherry? point. A lot of things to consider when you're selecting who the investigator will be. Um, so some of the factors that I would recommend looking into, um, someone who doesn't know too much, who isn't already part of the story or might have a bias. Obviously, you don't want someone who has a conflict of interest and even sometimes an appearance of a conflict of interest. It's very important to select someone who knows how to conduct an investigation. So that doesn't mean coming up with a list of questions, putting it on a piece of paper and handing it to someone and saying, hey, ask these questions. Conducting a proper investigation takes some skill, takes some knowledge. You need to know how to follow all the leads, ask the follow-up questions. And so that's why selecting an investigator that knows how to investigate is really important. You also need someone who knows the difference between a fact and a conclusion. And that's going to be important in formulating the questions and then also how you're documenting the answers to the questions. Also knowing to review other relevant evidence. I mentioned earlier, there may be company policies that are implicated. And so you need to know what are the other documents or what's the other evidence that might come into play. Um, confidentiality. Confidentiality is a big one. You, all, you obviously need someone who will maintain confidentiality, but who also understands what the parameters are on confidentiality and what you can and cannot say to your employees about confidentiality. Um, it's important to have someone who knows what he or she doesn't know. And so that person will know when to consult with others, such as human resources, potentially counsel, as needed. All right. Once you've picked the perfect investigator, you rush into interviews, right? Well, like I said, you want to make sure that these are done in a certain time frame. However, take a breath. Before you talk to anyone, it's a good idea to take a look at your policies, review any information gathered to date. Um, it could be a written complaint that you received. It could be text messages that come in, um, could be pictures or all sorts of fun stuff that, um, that are really exciting that lead to this investigation. Are you telling me that sometimes people, sometimes employees send inappropriate text messages or unprofessional pictures? You've never heard such a thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. That's Never why I said, that's why I said input exciting things, right? A picture is truly worth a thousand words. And in employment law, we can certainly see pictures and messages that you wish you could unsee. I'm sure you agree with that. Oh, yes. Um, so let's review. You have a complaint. You have taken that complaint seriously, even though you are a whining employee has brought these types of complaints to you before, you've determined who should conduct the investigation, and you've reviewed any relevant policies and any evidence that has been gathered to date. What happens next? And now Sherry? you're done. 
Okay, just kidding. <laughs> that would oh, make for a very, great. very short episode of our podcast. Um, no, you can start your interview now. You can start your interview now. So who do you typically choose to talk so to So it first? really depends. Um, we often start with the person who's bringing the complaint. Um, so in our scenario, the employee who complained of harassment. And once you're talking to the person bringing the complaint, what are some of the, the key tips you have? For you obviously want to get as much detail as possible. Um, that's why I like to start with the complainant is just put all of the information out there so we know who to interview, what the allegations are, so you can get each and every incident of alleged misconduct. You want to ask for a signed statement or any written statements that this employee has made of the events and allegations. You should also ask the employee if they've made any notes or records regarding the misconduct and get copies of all of those. It's, I would say, important to be careful what you write down. I mentioned the, the difference between facts versus opinion. So including actual objective facts, such as the employee wasn't making eye contact, was shaking in her seat, as opposed to employee did not seem credible. So be careful about facts versus editorial opinions or comments. So things you can actually observe rather than a conclusion you might draw from Absolutely. What you're and you're you're thinking about putting down facts that of course are pertinent to reaching a conclusion, but that you might actually show to a jury someday if you're defending this investigation and the decision that is the outcome of the investigation. Uh, I would also ask the interviewee to identify any other witnesses. That will help you guide the next steps in your interview so you know who to talk to. You may want to ask the complainant what they believe is the appropriate corrective action. Now, sometimes we're doing these investigations and we hear an employee say, you know, this, this individual needs to be fired. That's obviously not their call, but sometimes it can be pertinent to figuring out what you're going to do in response to the complaint and also understanding the severity of it. I would also inform the complainant that the complaint will be promptly investigated and if substantiated, appropriate corrective action will occur. Now, Susan, you'll probably have an opinion on this. Do you tell the person who's complaining what exactly that appropriate active action will be either at that point or later on? You know, it really has depended for me. Um, I do like to follow up with the complainant after the investigation because one of the biggest issues that I've heard once a lawsuit is filed is I made a complaint and nobody did anything about it where that might not be true. They might have done anything, something about it, but it wasn't communicated back to them. So you may not describe to the complainant exactly what that corrective action is, but I, I do like to tell them that appropriate corrective action was taken. A couple other things in the course of the interview, invite the interviewee to provide additional information that might come to mind later. And that's just natural, right? We're sitting in an investigation. This is not a comfortable scenario to be in for the person who's lodged a complaint. And so they may provide everything that comes to mind at that time, but then they go home, they start thinking about it, they start rehashing the incident, 
and they left something out. And so I think it's always a good idea to tell them, look, this is an open investigation. If you think of anything else that comes to mind that I asked and you just couldn't recall the time or anything else that you think might be relevant, please let me know later on so we can have a comprehensive and complete investigation. And then also ask the complainant to tell you if he or she feels that there's retaliation or punishment um, from the supervisor or anyone else who's the alleged wrongdoer in, involved in this. I think that's a big one because I'm sure you'd agree that one of the most common complaints we get allegations we get in a lawsuit is that I I complained about it and then I was retaliated against. I was fired or I was demoted because retaliation can pair with pretty much any other claim that you can bring in employment law. So I think that's a great point to mention that tell the, the complainant, you need to let us know if something bad happens to you as a result of this investigation or you're concerned that something bad is happening to you because you made this complaint. Absolutely. All right. So after you've talked to the complainant and gotten as much information from them as you can, who do you talk to next? Do you talk to the alleged bad actor? Do you talk to witnesses? I would say it depends. You definitely want to interview the bad actor at some point, at which time you'll automatically assume they're guilty of all charges and fire them immediately. Of course. (laughs) Right. Okay. Employees never, ever come up with false or exaggerated claims in order to, say, avoid performance issues they're facing or perhaps uh, avoid taking responsibility for some incident. That exactly. Occurred. Exactly. You need to see the whole picture. All right. So what are some of the key things you're keeping in mind when you're interviewing this coworker, Kathy, who's our alleged bad actor. So before the interview, I would review the accused personnel file and employment history. It's always interesting or important to see what's happened in the past. Have there been any accusations against this individual in the past? Have they been disciplined for similar situations? Also explain the objectives of the meeting be honest about it, but tell them what this is about. Inform the accused that no conclusions have been reached and that the interview allows her to present her side of the story, her in this situation with Kathy. You know, I would say don't promise that the investigation will remain absolutely confidential. And that's always a question that we get. But assure him or her, whoever it is that you're speaking with, that it will be as confidential as possible. Things will be keep kept on a need-to-know basis as much as possible. But be, be forthcoming about the fact that there was a complaint that was lodged, and in my role for the company, I have to do my part to make sure that all employees feel that they've been treated fairly, that there's no discrimination or harassment in the workplace or whatever the allegation may be. And so there may be steps that are taken that need to be shared with someone else, but I certainly will keep it as confidential as possible. I'd also identify each and every action and statement that's alleged so you can allow the accused to respond. These things may take time. There may be a lot of 
fact-intensive, detailed allegations, but you definitely want a response to each and every one of them. I'd also look at the history between the parties, if relevant, you know, if they've worked together for a while, because that could be something that would come into play in the decision-making. You may also want to ask any motives that the complainant might have for making up the allegations. Susan, you mentioned there could be reasons why a complaint is made that's not made in good faith, that isn't genuine. And so this could be an opportunity for you to get information about that. Okay, Susan, let's talk about harassment investigations in particular, because with the hashtag MeToo movement, I know a lot of our clients are doing more of those. So give me some specific tips for harassment investigations. Harassment investigations are uh, interesting and hard. Um, Obviously, the allegations are really serious. So you want to ensure you're doing everything you can to uh, make sure that the complainant feels like bringing the complaint to you was right, but that you are also determining to the best of your ability what happened. So one thing that I think is specific to harassment investigations would be asking if the complainant did anything that made the accused believe his or her conduct was welcome. One fairly common scenario is that there might have been a consensual relationship that at some point one party called off and the other party kept going. So that would be really important background um, to your investigation of harassment. That's a good one. And for general investigations and harassment or other types, I would also ask the accused to identify any other persons that he or she believes should be interviewed. Um, I'd also ask for suggestions on helping to ensure the investigation is complete, fair, and impartial. I mean, obviously a skilled investigator will have a lot of knowledge and asking the right questions, but you don't know the people involved and the specific allegations as the investigator. And so getting that type of information from the witnesses you're interviewing can be very helpful. So what happens if you talk to the person and they say, yeah, I did that. I'm really sorry. If they admit the inappropriate behavior, I would document everything just as you were doing already and then move to the next step to promptly take appropriate remedial action. Great. Obviously, we talked about finding witnesses who might uh, have information because a third party could give you really helpful uh, facts to, to help you reach a decision. But let's say you've interviewed everyone who has been identified as knowing some piece of this puzzle. You've gathered and reviewed all the documents and and other evidence, you are now at the stage that many investigators hate, figuring out what happened and making a determination. What are some key tips at this stage? Yeah, this is really hard because a lot of times it's going to boil down to he said, she said. So just, I would keep some of these things in mind. You don't have to find guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. This is not a criminal trial. And so you will ultimately have to make some judgment calls. And that's why some of these details end up being so important. As I mentioned, the credibility of the witnesses, the documents. Uh, Stay as objective as possible. 
and take credibility into account. I would also document your investigation as well as your conclusions, you know, the facts and the conclusions, the reasons that you reach them. Again, part of this is because we're looking towards the potential that this could end up in litigation two, three years, or even more down the road. And so having that all documented will help later on. And then follow up as needed with everyone involved. So that's not just the accuser, but the accused as well. And of course, that's just going to depend on the outcome of the particular investigation. Those are excellent points. One thing I would like to mention is the importance of documentation. It is one of my favorite soapboxes because documents don't forget. Documents don't change their story three years down the road during their deposition. And documents don't leave your company to go work for another company later on. I'm sure that you have had and seen documents that were less helpful than they could have been. Do you have any tips on how to document this investigation? A lot of companies have forms. If you have a form, that's great. But it doesn't always need to be on something on company letterhead. What important, what quality documents will show? Well, they will show who wrote it, legibly, hopefully. Um, it, <laughs> legibly? I, I'm asking for too high. much, I know. But look, this is just the gold standard here. We're trying to give the best. It includes first and last names because Kathy, we've been talking about, we all know Kathy, we can picture her here, but Kathy may be gone next year. She may change her name and we need to know who this is at some later point in time. Also dates, times, and places. And when I say dates, that also includes years because if we've both been alluding to, these things can sometimes resurface many years later. So... I would include dates, times, and places. Also, your documentation should provide enough background information to allow a third party to understand what it's about and that it proactively explains anything that may be superficially looked bad but really isn't. Um, these things can be blown up as an exhibit, a trial, and so it's also good to have an explanation. If applicable, I think the documentation should show that it was shared with the employee. And again, stating facts, not just conclusions. Um, objective facts and not just subjective conclusions. If there were previous similar violations, then the documentation should have dates, times, and a description, as well as the circumstances of similar violations if there were, should also contain the employee's side of the story. And that could be either in the employee's words and the employee's handwriting or the person conducting the investigation. And finally, if disciplinary in nature, it should clearly state the consequences of further, a few, it should clearly state the consequences of any further violations. Fantastic. With these tips, we'll wrap, wrap up this episode of Kim Stangy's podcast. Sherry, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about internal investigations. I hope that our listeners have enjoyed uh, the discussion on how to handle a 
a workplace complaint as much as we have. 